Do you have a child or children in your home who are little experts at everything? Do they say things like, yeah, I know that on a regular basis? Is their favorite word actually? And do they use it constantly to correct others? Then actually, we're glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubber.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. We want to give a special thanks to Morgan in Arizona. Morgan, we so appreciate your support of our show. This helps us to further our mission, which is to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. So listeners, if you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com slash support to donate any amount. When our kids watch secular shows or read secular books, they'll often come across something that directly contradicts the Bible. And they'll ask a question like, is that true, mom? Did we come from apes? Is the earth billions of years old? Are there aliens on other planets? Our kids are growing up in a world that desperately needs the light of God's word. And it's increasingly more important to me that the resources I use to educate my kids are from a biblical worldview. This is why our family uses BJU Press. They offer trusted resources for homeschooling through video courses or parent-led instruction. Our family uses BJU Press video courses, and I love the fact that they are taught by knowledgeable and engaging experts in their fields. And what's really great about the video courses is that all three of our kids, including our first grader, can work independently and at their own pace. But if you would rather facilitate your child's homeschooling, if that's more your speed, BJU Press offers numerous resources so that you can manage the different learning styles of your child, know what your student is learning so you can influence instruction, and create a totally customized learning experience. BJU Press Homeschool offers resources to meet the educational needs of your family in a way that will equip your kids for a life of gospel impact. Just go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and get what you need to give your child a solid biblical education. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Well, listeners, the idea for this episode came from the many Ask Ginger emails we received on this topic. Apparently, there are a whole lot of kids out there who know everything, and they're being raised by parents who don't really know what to do about them. So, Ginger, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this topic. Why don't you start with telling us what we mean by a know-it-all? Well, I think we all have a pretty good idea as to what a know-it-all is because we've probably all encountered them. But just for clarity, let's define what that term means. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a know-it-all as one who claims to know everything, also one who disdains advice. I found that interesting. A know-it-all is one who disdains advice. The Bible defines a person who disdains advice as a fool. There are many passages in Scripture comparing and contrasting the foolish with the wise. Since all of the characteristics of a know-it-all fall under the category of what God describes as a fool, today I'd like for us to identify three of those characteristics and look at ways we can encourage our children to put off the foolishness of this world and put on the wisdom of God. 
Okay, so Ginger, what is the first characteristic of a know-it-all that parents should address in their children? Well, one problem with a know-it-all is that they believe they're always right. So they trust Mm. and live in the pride of self-righteousness instead of the righteousness of Christ. The truth of the matter is that no one knows it all except our Heavenly Father, who is the creator of all things. Revelation twenty two thirteen confirms that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Only the creator of all things knows all things. Part of the beauty of God's creation is the way he designed the body of Christ to work together. He created us all differently with unique talents and abilities for the purpose of operating as one, which means that we offer the strengths God gave us to edify the body and we utilize the strengths God gave others in areas where we're lacking. The only way to reach our full potential as the body of Christ is to humble ourselves and acknowledge our areas of weakness. Know-it-alls are not willing to do that. They're more than willing to show off their strengths, but they're not so willing to confess or even acknowledge their weaknesses. They believe they have everything to teach the body of Christ, but nothing to learn from the body of Christ. But to live that way is to reject God's plan for believers to be unified. It's through coming together with our strengths and weaknesses as united followers of Jesus that we fulfill his purpose and mature in our faith. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What this passage means for know-it-alls is that we cannot fully accomplish God's will for our lives or fully mature in our faith unless we're willing to humbly accept and admit that we don't know everything. There has to be a willingness to learn from the counsel and the wisdom and the abilities of others in order to grow and mature. Verse 14 of that same passage says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Okay, well, Ginger, you know what my next question is going to be since we're all about practical help on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So what are some practical ways parents can help their little know-it-alls understand that they don't actually, actually know it all? (laughs) Well, we can talk to them about how God created us all differently to need each other and to work together as one body to fulfill his plan. A great verse to discuss with them is 1 Corinthians 12, 21, which says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Perhaps we could help them get a feel for the reality of what God is saying by having them try to eat lunch or try to clean their rooms without while wearing a blindfold and talking with them about the difficulties and challenges that presents and then correlate that with the way God created us to need one another. It's important that we look for ways to help know-it-alls practice the art of listening and learning from others. Maybe after church services, talk about something you learned from the pastor and ask your children to talk about what they learned. Encourage them to learn from their friends by asking questions about places they've been and details about things they've done. If they have a friend that plays soccer, encourage them to ask that friend questions about the rules of the game or to show them the proper way to kick the ball. 
Teaching know-it-alls the art of asking questions helps them focus on the fact that they don't know everything. It helps them move past themselves and acknowledge that they can grow and learn from others. Another way to help them appreciate and acknowledge the abilities of others is to talk about what life would be like without them. In other words, if Uncle Charles is an auto mechanic, talk about what life would be like without cars. If Aunt Susan is a dentist, talk about what happens to teeth without proper care. Having children acknowledge and appreciate the abilities of others is a great way to help them overcome a know-it-all mentality. And during prayer times, we can also let our children hear us thank the Lord for the knowledge and abilities he gave Uncle Charles and Aunt Susan. Or even better, encourage them to pray and give thanks to the Lord for those people and what they do. Hmm, I love that practical tip of encouraging our kids to find and appreciate the strengths and knowledge of others. That's really, really helpful. So we can help our kids to put off self-righteousness by identifying the skills and knowledge of others. Ginger, what is another characteristic of a know-it-all that parents can identify? The second characteristic is one I mentioned earlier. The Bible says that it's foolish for people to not listen to advice and accept instruction. Know-it-alls are not good listeners because they don't believe they have anything to learn. They're self-deceived into believing that they already know everything, so they aren't open to the counsel of others. But in Proverbs, we're told that wisdom comes to those who are willing to listen. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Another description of a person living foolishly is found in Proverbs 18, 2, which says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in error his own opinion. That pretty much sums up all the know-it-alls I've been around. (laughs) Instead of being willing to listen to others and gain understanding, they're only concerned about voicing their own opinion. We want our children to be wise, so we need to be planting the truths of God's Word in their hearts. We might say something like, sweetheart, a wise person is willing to listen and learn from others. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. These truths can help them understand that when they humble themselves, there's a lot they can learn from other people, and that wisdom comes from their willingness to listen and learn. Mm -hmm. So encourage them to be mindful of how much they're talking instead of listening. Uh, You might say something like, honey, it's hard to pay attention and talk at the same time. When you stop and pay attention to others, you'll grow in wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 5, 1 and 2 says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. I love that. Ginger, something my daddy used to say is that there is a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we can listen (laughs) twice as much as we speak. And there's great wisdom in that. And it's, I think that's a helpful way for children to have a visual reminder of what it is we're trying to teach them. Yeah, that is a really good visual reminder. I like that. My daddy used to say, it's better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some. I looked that up. There's actually some controversy as to whether that was Abraham Lincoln or Mark Twain who originally said that. But either way, we are both very blessed with wise daddies who say wise <laughs> things to us. Probably It'd be comical s- if it was actually a politician who said that. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Proverbs, anyway. <laughs> I know. I looked it up. I'm glad it was Abraham Lincoln and Mark Twain. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with those quotes. Yeah, uh, okay. Actually, a better quote, though, is from Proverbs 17, 28, which also offers insights about that sort of thing. That verse says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning mm. if they hold their tongues. 
Well, Ginger, as I was pondering practical ways parents can help know-it-alls understand that they don't actually know it all, I thought about something our family did a while ago that we we really need to start doing again. Ginger, you know this, but our listeners might not know that I started a homeschool planning business before we started, I mean, right before we started this Mm -hmm. podcast. And then I abandoned it because this podcast was way more fun and a better use of my skills and my time, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so thankful you did. Well, yes, I am too. Uh, But anyway, part of the homeschool planning process we implemented was to have a weekly meeting to discuss how the week went and to look ahead to the coming week. So we had this whiteboard where we drew three columns. The first column had a smiley face, the second column had a frowny face, and the third column was an upside-down smiley face. So the first column represented what we did well that week, and we had everyone answer that individually and together as a team. Then we went to column two, which was the frowny face, and had everyone address what they didn't do well that week. And I tried to have each child speak to their own shortcomings and areas of improvement. It's really not helpful to have other family members piling on and saying things like, well, I think so-and-so really whined and tattled a whole lot this week. That just, (laughs) we found, wasn't very productive. (laughs) And then finally, we went to the third column, the upside-down smiley face, and talked about what we could do differently in the week to come. And my husband and I would ask how he and I could help our kids in the areas they wanted to improve. And we did this when all three of ours were still in preschool and elementary school. So you'd be surprised how helpful it is even at that age for them to acknowledge and see what it is that they need help doing. But the reason I'm bringing this up in our conversation about know-it-alls is because I think many children and adults, if we're being honest, exhibit this behavior because they're unwilling to admit their own failures or shortcomings. Unfortunately, we live in a day and time when failure is something we try to help our children avoid at all costs. We've become these snowplow parents who remove every obstacle in our kids' way in the hopes that they will stay on this path that we've laid out for them. But removing all obstacles for them and ignoring or sugarcoating failure for fear of harming their self-esteem, I believe is debilitating our kids because they won't develop the skills to cope once they've grown and they're forced to deal with their failures head on. So it's painful for me to read parenting books that downright encourage parents to prioritize their kids' self-esteem above far more biblical character traits. And as a result, we find ourselves in a culture full of self-important, entitled children who absolutely crumble when they face any sort of resistance or adversity. Yes, we want our kids to be confident, but in what or in whom do we want them to place their confidence? Mm I believe this is why helping our know-it-alls to admit failure and working with them together as a team toward this goal of Christ-likeness is a very helpful thing we can do, a very practical thing we can do. Mm, I couldn't agree more, Katie. And you just hit the nail on the head with how our culture and worldly parenting has led to self-important, entitled children. I think we need to do a whole episode on that. Yeah, that would be great. Well, Ginger, I want to discuss one more thing regarding this point of know-it-alls not being good listeners. I've noticed that children who have this tendency also like to answer questions they haven't been asked. For instance, mom might ask Sally what flavor of ice cream she likes best, and Joey will say, Sally likes chocolate best, even though Sally is perfectly capable of answering for herself. So with a child like this, I think it's a good idea to gently and lovingly say, you know, I really want to hear what Sally has to say, don't you? Hmm. So In my experience, the child is often completely unaware that they are doing this, so it could take a long time to correct that habit. Still, we work patiently and consistently to cultivate that habit of listening. 
Mm, yes, and that what a great response, Katie, to a child who struggles with answering for others because it redirects their thinking to be others-oriented. Like you said, they may not even be aware that they're doing right. it, but you're redirecting that thinking to what is the other person thinking and feeling here. Over and over and over and over again. So <laughs> yeah, please don't write to us and say your four-year-old <laughs> is having trouble listening and caring about others. It takes years mm -hmm. of practice for mm -hmm. all of us, really. It does. Okay, Ginger, you've mentioned that know-it-alls live in the pride of self-righteousness and that they often don't listen to advice or accept instruction. What is the third concern when it comes to kids who know it all? The third concern for the know-it-all is that an unwillingness to listen to advice and accept instruction puts them in danger spiritually and physically. Proverbs 10, 8 says, The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Also, from a spiritual standpoint, if the child is a professing Christian but claims to know all things, which is prideful, it's going to damage his testimony for Christ. James 1, 26 says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he does Receives himself and his religion is worthless. Know-it-alls have a hard time keeping a tight rein on their tongues. They're always trying to prove themselves knowledgeable, so they take every opportunity to interject into conversations what they think they know. We're told in Proverbs 10, 19, that when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Oh, that one gets me. I've I've personally been convicted of Proverbs ten nineteen on many occasions, Ginger. <laughs> there are just so many times when the sheer volume of my words comes back to bite me. Uh, it takes so much more patience and self-control for me to keep my internal dialogue internal. <laughs> it likes to be external. <laughs> and I think that's an important point to make here as well. Not all talkative people are know-it-alls in the prideful sense, but it's sometimes hard to tell the difference when they don't stop talking long enough to allow others to speak. So it may be that they're not pretending to know more than they actually do, but they're also not very interested in learning from others either. So if that is something that your child or you personally struggle with, we do have an episode entitled When Kids Talk Excessively, and that's episode 52. So we'll have Heather put a link to the show notes in the show notes to that episode. Now, on the flip side of this, though, is that we don't want our kids to be afraid to speak up when they do have knowledge and insight and even mm. an opinion. It's fine for them to share what they know, and they should be encouraged to do that. But they should also be encouraged to use discernment, which involves listening to others and thinking before they speak and not voicing everything that pops into their heads. Proverbs 17, 27 says, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. And Proverbs 18, 13 says, he who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. Yeah, those get me too. Both <laughs> same here, same here. But let's keep in mind that these verses don't say we should not speak up about what we know or that we should not share our opinions, just that we should listen first and not be so quick to voice everything we think. The point is that we learn to use our words with restraint. Another tip is when you find your know-it-all child interrupting you or your spouse or their siblings to get their two cents in, just gently remind them to listen first. And keep in mind, again, this is going. This is not going to be an overnight fix. It's going to take some time. So consistency is key. Mm. Each and every time you catch your child interrupting, maybe just put your finger to your lips and simply say, listen first. If you're consistent in responding that way at home, uh, you'll only have to put your finger to your lips in public, hopefully, which keeps them from the embarrassment of being corrected in front of others, if you do it discreetly, of course. 
Right. I really like the idea of having signals to use when we're out in public with our kids, especially as they approach the teenage years. I do try to be sensitive to their growing sense of self-awareness. And signals are a great way to gently and quietly correct our kids without embarrassment. So for know-it-all kids, you could also just gently tug at your ear to signal that it's time to listen. This might be less obvious to others nearby and will hopefully signal to the child that they need to stop talking and listen. And Obviously, we would want to work on this at home over and over again so that it's clear to them when we're in public what we're trying to communicate. Yeah, that's good. I like the ear tug better. Definitely more discreet when we're out in public. And that one, though, does make me think of a baseball coach. Like, we're all going to walk around in public with these (laughs) secret signals that only we know, but it truly does help in a situation where we want to correct the child. We need to correct the child, but not to embarrass them. Exactly. And let me just reiterate that we don't want to discount what our kids do know or discourage them from sharing it. But the definition of a know-it-all is one who claims to know everything. So we want to help them to be discerning enough to know the difference between when to share what they do know for the purpose of benefiting others and when to hold their tongues because they actually don't know. They just want Mm. everyone to think they know, which is for the purpose of benefiting themselves. One way to encourage humility over pride is to respond with something like, oh, that's interesting. Where did you learn that? Or who taught you that? These sort of questions not only encourage them to acknowledge that much of what they know came from someone else instead of taking Mm -hmm. all the credit themselves, but also holds them accountable to not state opinions as facts. If they can't back what they're saying with facts, then it's merely an opinion. It's wise to help the know-it-all distinguish between the two because that's a real struggle for them. This is such a great point, Ginger. And I've noticed that some of my children might occasionally state their opinions as fact. So I've encouraged them to say things like, well, I believe or I think when they're unsure of something. However, there are many times when they know something I don't and can completely prove me wrong, mainly because they retain what they hear and read and I don't. I don't do that so well. We actually had a, actually, I keep saying that now. I know, we, I know. Actually, it's like that. we're both stuck on the word actually. We're both know-it-alls, Ginger. <laughs> we have no business doing oh, this episode. Boy. This is the worst episode for the two of us. But we had a friend over for dinner recently, and he's an ER physician. Well, our youngest, who is seven, looked at him and said, did you know that when a person blushes, their stomach blushes as well? And our friend said, I did know that. How did you know that? (laughs) And our son was like, I don't know. I heard it somewhere. But in a situation like that, and I didn't think of this at the time, I think it would be great to say, wow, that is super interesting. I'm so glad you shared that. Isn't God's creation so cool? Mm -hmm. So it isn't wrong to encourage our kids' curiosity and to be excited about what they're learning. But I do love to bring it back to the one who is the giver of all knowledge. This is modeling for them how to order our affections. Yes, mommy and daddy are so proud and pleased when you learn something new, but our greatest joy is seeing you grow and walk in wisdom. Mm, That's so good, Katie. And that is absolutely our goal, to take every opportunity we can to point our children to God as the creator and the giver of all knowledge in hopes that they will walk in his wisdom and give him the glory in all things. Now is the part of our show we call Kid Quips. This is a segment when we get to share the funny things your kids or grandkids have said, and we'll share it on our show. Today's Kid Quip is courtesy of me, again. Listen, if you guys don't want this segment to turn into the equivalent of Ginger's Vaseline Quick Tips, then please send us your Kid Quips, and I'll tell you how to do so after this. 
Anyway, this is another one from my youngest child. He's a quippy little fella, that Grayson. If you don't follow me on Instagram, then you probably haven't seen a photo of him. But Grayson has, well, he did have until we recently cut it, the thickest, waviest hair. He has enough hair for six people. It's absolutely incredible. And he's very specific about the ways he wants his hair to be fixed and to be cut. Well, about two years ago, we were taking him to get a haircut. And he said, I think I've decided I want my hair to be cut like an omelet. And I was like, what? (laughs) He said, you know, an omelet where it's short in the front and long in the back. And I was like, oh, a mullet. Yeah, no. (laughs) So that's why in our family, we refer to mullets as omelets to this day. (laughs) I love that. He's a mess. If your child said something funny and you'd like for us to share it on our show, please share it with us at gingerhubber.com slash kidquips. That's Q-U-I-P-S. Again, that's gingerhubber.com slash kidquips. Ginger, this has been such a fun episode. I feel that way every time, though. When I, I have not had a single bad day recording with you, even when we have major technical issues like we did, <laughs> like we did earlier today. today. <laughs> We do have so much fun recording these episodes, and praise God that he overcomes all of my technical challenges so that we can get to encourage parents for his glory. It's just it's just a, one more of his many miracles. You know, it's it's hard work. It's hard work, all the technical stuff. but Especially for me. There, well, it. technical issues aside, Ginger, just will you it. please leave us with a final word of encouragement? With consistency and patience, we can teach our children that God has given us a beautiful and healthy balance of talking and listening, of teaching others and learning from others. So let's take every opportunity we can to talk to our children about God's beautiful plan for the body of Christ. Let's point them to the wisdom of His Word and encourage them in specific ways they can put that wisdom into practice. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is a huge help to us to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering Ginger's best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, A Mom's Look at Heart-Oriented Discipline, as well as the six-week study guide at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. If your church might be interested in hosting Ginger and me for a women's conference or event or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.